Hey, we're back a little sooner than planned with a special bonus episode where we talk to Tech Sergeant Ricardo Miranda Navarro with the 442nd CE, who's going to have the honor of making a draft pick for the Chicago Bears. I, I'm 80% sure he's just announcing what they picked, but there's a 20% chance he may just get to pick the player. I am Master Sergeant Bob Jennings with the 442nd Fighter Wing Public Affairs Office, and I'm here with Major Shelley Eckleby, the Public Affairs Officer, and Brigadier General Steve Nasty Nestor. You know how some movies have like little features? This is almost like a feature podcast on you. Like, like a bonus episode? Yeah. To highlight the draft being in Kansas City. Uh, Ricardo getting selected to do that for the 442nd, the USA commercial we shot yesterday. Uh, why, why, why don't we talk a little bit about that okay. start? Um, I was just looking up the names of the guys that were here. And, um, I'm a big NFL draft guy. So uh, you and Erica were like, hey, who's coming down? So, yeah, anyway, we hosted some guys yesterday that were going to be in the draft. They shot a USA commercial. We were hoping Rob Gronkowski would have stopped by for a USA commercial, but that wasn't the case. So how did you get in contact, Shelly, with the the folks doing the commercial yesterday? Uh, So 509th, actually, the 509th Bomb Wing PA, uh, they reached out to us, and USAA was working with with the NFL on their Salute to Service campaign. And for that... um, in preparation for the draft day coming up next weekend, um, they had two players, and I'm not a huge football follower, so I'll kind of divert to you on the two individuals that came. But yeah, we had two individuals come um, who just graduated from college, and they saw like a day in the life of a airman at Whiteman Air Force Base. So they took them to the B2s, did a tour there. I think they took them to Oscar one. And then we had the opportunity um, to take them and show them our airplanes and kind of interview two of our individuals. Alexandra Lee got interviewed. Um, Ninja, the huh? The 303rd Ninja got interviewed by USAA, and then so did Outlaw. What did they ask Ninja? Um, I think they asked what they thought of the two uh, football players, what that meant to her. Um, you know, kind of just your standard... US, it was a very USA-slanted discussion, but it is for about a two-minute commercial, so they'll probably both be in it. Cool. Do you have USA checking? I do. So do I. I bank with them. Did you get... Can I endorse that? I don't think we can. <laughs> did you have uh, USA auto insurance for the hail damage last week? Oh, I did. That's a good plug. Yeah. Two I need, weeks ago. I have it. Actually, for those of you who had your cars damaged, there is some stuff you can fill out for the Air Force. I just talked to a couple of airmen that you don't have to pay your deductible because you're on military duty. So if you didn't know that, maybe we'll send an email out to everybody on how to do that because there's a lot of people that had their cars damaged uh, for hail damage. It sounds like that's still <clears throat> being worked, but you're, you are correct, sir. I know that um, I think 509th Bomb Wing Legal is working on seeing how the Air Force uh, can reimburse that deductible. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so yesterday uh, they were telling me there's they're going to have an NFL draft guys here for USA commercial. I'm like, she goes, I don't know, some running back from from UT, and I'm like, well, Bijan Robinson's coming here. She goes, how did you know who that one? And she goes, some other guy from North Northwestern, and I was like, Skaronsky, and she's like, yeah, I'm an NFL, <laughs> I'm a I'm a huge Colts fan. So for Chiefs fans, you probably don't like me because. Uh, the Colts have done pretty well against the Chiefs, and the not, not lately, but back in '96, we beat them 10-7 at Arrowhead. I went to the game with uh, Mad Dog Madeline. He had season tickets, and uh, when Andrew Luck was there, we beat the Chiefs in a huge comeback. But the Chiefs have obviously gotten much better than the Colts with the Super Bowl wins. But that was cool yesterday to have those two guys out here uh, as part of <clears throat> the lead up to the draft, and uh, 
just to see the A-10 and Whiteman Air Force Base and, and all that stuff. Yeah, so following that, we also got another email. Um, you know, the USO, they came out and during UTA, what was it, a few months ago? The yes. executive team from Kansas and Missouri. So they came out and met with um, our Helping Airmen Working Group. And they kind of sat down and discussed like how we could better serve the airmen or how, what they could do to better serve the airmen. And so uh, the the two main individuals in charge of that organization reached out to us directly and they're like, hey, uh, the USO is partnering with the NFL and we have received um, a chance to get somebody to do a life draft aid pick. And so we sent that out to the entire wing and we said, hey, we're gonna send up a couple names to the USO. If you'd like to be involved, please follow their format. It was like your first name, your rank, what you do in like four to five sentences about why you think you'd be a good fit for this. Um, so I sent that out, didn't hear much back for a few days. And then um, surprisingly, we heard that Tech Sergeant Ricardo Miranda Navarro, who is actually sitting here with us right now, um, he was chosen among all DOD submissions to do the NFL live draft day pick on the third day, right? That is correct. Okay, third, third day, day third, live what? at Saturday Union Station. Oh, it's Saturday. Okay, I thought yes. it was third round pick, but it's the third day. Third so. day. See, I am not a football fan. So I the first, the first either. day on Thursday, the twenty seventh, they'll do just the first round. That's correct. And then on Friday, they do the second and third round, I believe. Yes. And then on Saturday, they do the fourth through the seventh round, and then that's the day you're going to get the pick. Yes. That is correct. Yeah. Before yeah. I get to before I get to Ricardo, I got some good USO stories. Oh, that, uh, that, um, so <laughs> that. This plug for the new airport. The airport's awesome. The new airport and the new USO facility. I haven't been into it, uh, but I hear it's really cool. So for any military members from our wing that are traveling out of KC, MCI, the new airport, check out the new USO. It's really cool. A friend of mine named Goof Gostomsky, who used to fly here, a Southwest pilot, he, he actually got kicked out of the USO one time in Denver. He was in his Southwest Airlines uniform and he went in there. I think he was trying to get a free lunch. <laughs> and they go, oh, sir, you can't come in here in your airline uniform. This is just for like soldiers and sailors traveling. And, and he got, so we always give him a hard time about the He's USO. He's probably the only person that's ever been kicked out of a USO. <laughs> I don't he, think that happens very often. He there. claims he wasn't kicked out. I give him a hard time about it. So <laughs> it's a good story. And I want to congratulate you, Ricardo, because you, you beat out some really tough competition to get this selection. Uh, Colonel McConnell, who was the quarterback at the Air Force Academy. He was submitted, right? Mm -hmm. So you beat out a, a Division One Air Force Academy quarterback, superstar, to get selected to go represent the 442nd, actually represent more than the 442nd, really, right? Yeah, the timing of this was all um, really cool. I was kind of talking to you about it, sir, but you know, it's the Air Force Reserve 75th anniversary. And so that has been a big um, push across the public affairs channels, just really celebrating everything the reserves have has done over the last 75 years. So for you to be selected, um, you know, you really are representing more than just a 442nd fighter wing. You're representing the reserves and the Air Force as a whole. That's cool. Uh, before we get started, too, I want to thank Bob Jennings. He, he set the, we're back in the chapel again. And it's, it's like a sweat locker in here. It's <laughs> know, hot. It like is. A hopefully sauna. the last time <laughs> here. Uh, hopefully our stuff will come in pretty soon. Well, tell us, Bob, we just we just bought our own little equipment, right? We did, yes. Uh, the same and, stuff. Uh, I, I didn't see what exactly was bought, but I imagine it's the same or equivalent. I know we got the same uh, soundboard. So anyway, we're having fun doing this. I think it's something we're going to use to communicate with airmen uh, down the road. So we're like, let's get our own equipment. It was relatively cheap. Uh, and we're going to create our own studio over in our own wing building so we can do more of these. And really, the intent is to try to 
to, to get to know Airmen and to hear more people's stories. I want to get to know everybody. Like I've said this a thousand times, if you don't know people's stories, you can't lead them. So I want everybody to hear your story, Ricardo. So that's kind of why we have you in here. I kind of want you to tell your story about where you're from, what got you to the United States, what made you join the Air Force, and then uh, what led you to the 442nd, and and then your amazing story about being a single dad and your kids and, and all that stuff. So so tell me a little bit about where you, where you were born and raised. I was born in El Salvador. Um, my mom, single mom, um, she did all the right things to get us over to the States. It was me and my sister, younger than me. Came over here when we were five. Well, when I was five. You were five? I was five years old, and I have been here ever since. Where'd you guys move when you first immigrated over here? When we first came, we stayed maybe a couple months in California, and then we moved to Florida. And that was the biggest majority of my life growing up was over there up until freshman year of high school. And things just started getting crazy over there, expensive. Uh, at that point, uh, she met my dad, or I call him my dad, but he's my stepdad, but he has, he has earned that respect for me that I call him my dad. And then we moved to Kansas City, and I have been living here ever since. What part of El Salvador were you from? Uh, Santa Ana. I'm looking at a map. So close to close to San Salvador? Yes, because it would be like northwest. North, have you been back to El Salvador? I have not been back ever since. How about your mom? She has been back a couple of times, uh, unfortunately, because of family deaths and stuff like that. She still has a lot of family back there? I think we have a couple. Okay. But unfortunately, me personally, I'm not that close just because I did grow up over here. But I talk to them once in a while. Now with technology, we just FaceTime each other and I get to see a little bit of how it is back home or I guess look to see maybe what if I didn't, she didn't make that move. What it, your life would be like, right? Correct. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's like a window to like another world. I bet. My, my daughter and son, they're 21 and soon to be 20. They're both big surfers and they want to go do a surf trip. Uh, and one of the places they want to go to is Nicaragua. Uh, or, and um, what's the other place in, in uh, Costa Rica? Mm. One of those two places. So they're, they're trying to go down there. I'm like, I know much about surfing in Nicaragua or El Salvador. It looks like they have surfing there too. But I hear they have a pretty big competition there, like once a year. Oh, they do? And again, I don't know about surfing like you, but I hear like big names go over there to surf. Oh, that's cool. So you get to California and your mom gets, does she know anybody here or does she come with other people or just you and your brother, you and your sister? It was us and my grandma was here at that time. Okay. So she's kind of like the one that had a place over here. And then from there, we, a couple months later, uh, moved to Florida altogether. What, what part of Florida? We lived in Kissimmee. Yeah. Just a little bit south of Orlando. And then uh, we moved to Coral Springs. Cool. Uh, so just a little bit north of Miami. Now, when you were five, do you recall moving from El Salvador to California? Do you remember that? I remember bits and pieces about it. I, re I remember a flight. I remember f California. I, re I was in school, and but not that much. I think I was still way too young Sure. to remember. Now in Florida, that's kind of where my younger life, I grew up. I remember a lot about over there. So you were in Florida from what age to what age? So about five, six years old to freshman year in high school. Okay. So I can't recall what that would, that would be. Yeah. 
So you, you spent a lot of time down there. And then where'd you end up finishing high school? I ended up finishing high school here in Kansas City. Okay. And your, your mom moved up here from, from Florida to Kansas City. What brought her up to Kansas City? We saw, or they saw, a job opportunities up here. So Your stepdad and your, and your mom? Yes. Uh, so a little bit better life. Uh, housing was a little bit better over here than uh, Florida. So they made, they made the move. I believe we had like a, like a cousin up here. And that was the only reason that we chose Kansas City. Good. So what, what part of Kansas City did you move to? I live on the Kansas side, so in the uh, Kansas City, Kansas. Awesome. And what high school did you end up attending there? I went to Washington High School. Which is, which is where? What city? It's right in the KCK. Oh, it is? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then from there, I think that's what kind of started because we had a JROTC program there. Okay. And it was the Air Force. I believe they were actually down here about a month ago. Oh, yeah, we did have yeah. them. Mm-hmm. That was the same program I was in. Back. But, but just for your high school, a lot of different high schools? Just for that high school. Okay. So you did JROTC. That's cool. So you go get it. That's how you kind of got interested in the military? I did. That, that clicked something in me. Um, I tried a little bit of college right after high school. Um, as you know, I have my three daughters. Um, being a little knucklehead, I my first one was born when I was 18. Okay. So it kind of... That'll make you grow up quick. It did. It did. It makes you grow up pretty fast. So start focusing on job. I went to tech school for automotive. And that got me into that career field. Starting out. And randomly one day, Air Force Reserve Recruiter comes to the shop. They leave all their the pamphlets, their their business cards, and I take a business card and I put it in my wallet, and it, it I just kept it back there several days. It just kept nagging at me until I made that phone call. So I thought you were you weren't active duty prior. You came straight to the reserves. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I came to the reserves. Um, I've done several long term orders with the 509th here, so I've been integrated with them. Have a lot of good friends over there. Cool. So you're 18. You have a daughter. You start. Were you working? You said you tried college and then started working. Yeah, I tried college, and then I went to the tech program for automotive. Mm-hmm. And at that same time that I was doing that for automotive, I was also working at a okay. shop. And then, so how old are your daughters right now? My oldest one is 12, followed by a 10 year old, and then a seven. So you're 30. I am 31. 31. Yes. Cool. So. 18 years old, you get all the all the pamphlets and stuff from the Air Force Reserve, and you got, I, I just want to, what made you decide, I want to I try the Air Force Reserves? It was a choice of kind of balancing my life here that I have established in Kansas City already, and just at that time, looking at the benefits, being able to do my weekend a month, two weeks a year, for my lifestyle, my family, my growing daughters, that just... Fit, it fits better for it. Good. I took all that and, and waited. I'm like, hey, I did call act, some active duty, um, Army, Air Force, Navy, and some reserves. And then I just put them all on the table and saw what, what would benefit me the most, but not just, not me, but my daughters the most. 
Good. Yeah. I think a little more stability and you're not moving around all the time and you probably get some help from your mom and grandmother, I assume for childcare and stuff. They do. And they say it takes a village to raise kids. And if it wasn't for them uh, right now, primarily my mom, I, w- I don't know what I would be. That's I, awesome. I owe everything to her. But that's the same uh, thing that Etchy told us, right? His Without his parents, they, they just gave him so much opportunity. He was like, part of the reason why I wanted to make something of myself was to reward my parents for the effort that they gave to me. And uh, that's that's really cool. So tell me about how, did you do did DTNF here? I did. How, how was that experience? It was... It was shocking to start. <laughs> what was with, shocking about it? Um, just really coming out of the street, enlisting, and then coming to uh, a structure program. Um, I can't recall who was running it at that time, but they were pretty, they took it very serious. Sure. And it did set you up for success. It helps you for basic, right? It does. It Good. definitely does. Good. Uh, again, for those of you out there, we're going to hire another DTNF coordinator um, next month. Uh, Jessica Swanson's going to do something else. And so we're going to have an interview. And if you're interested in that job, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the same boat, man. My, my dad was in the Air Force, though, but I wasn't around it. And when I joined the Air Force, I had I mean, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I thought I was going to like be living in a in a. Uh, a bunk house with like 20 other dudes like Gomer Pyle or something like that. And, uh, and it was nothing like I expected it to be when I went to officer training school, I, I walked in and people started screaming at me to put, tuck my shoelaces in and all this crazy stuff. And my roommates up, I'm not kidding you. My roommate, I get in, I get, I got late cause my orders were messed up. I showed up a day late to OTS and they're screaming at me. I get into my room at midnight and my roommate's like crying. He's in a top bunk. He's like in tears. And he's like, I, I can't do this. And I'm like, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> just got, I just got here. I don't remember sharing a room with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was Bob. It was Bob. And I, and I get out of bed and I go out into the hallway and I'm the only one without my PT gear on at five o'clock in the morning. I'm standing there in jeans because I don't have any of my stuff yet. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who these people are yelling at me, but it turns out they're just like upperclassmen. But it taught me, it really taught me a lot about how to manage my time, how to, to pay attention to details, things that you need for your job in the military. And I grew up a lot in that four months, definitely. Military has definitely helped me a lot. It has opened so many doors, so many opportunities that I get to open those doors for my daughter. Because that's the goal at the end of the day, I feel. Yeah. Is my mom did so much to get me here. Now it's my turn to go further. Then hopefully... My daughters could exceed that and become a, become a member of this society Good. And, and do something with their lives. You were working CE. Don't ask him his civilian job, sir. You, well, don't, you don't want to know. I was going to ask. I don't want to hear it. Well, I was gonna, no. first going to ask you, you said you had automotive background. I figured you'd be working in LRS and in, in, in that capacity here. But what, what do you do in CE? CE, I'm with the utility shops. We're the, we're the plumbers Okay, out there. Um, great group of guys that I work with, motivated. That's an awesome skill to have. And it is. It like, is. like if you, who's the guy that does the show Dirty Jobs? Oh yeah, Mike. Mike. Mike Rowe. Mike. Mike Rowe Mike, oh. Mike Ro is like, and uh, so, uh, there's a comedian. Uh, forget that guy's name. He, they're all like, hey, if you're a plumber, if you have those skill set to be a plumber, in like 20 years you're going to be making a hundred thousand dollars a year because nobody will have that skill set. 
And, uh, and it's kind of like Itch Etchy was saying, um, you could train yourself to do anything in, in this country. And if you get a skill, so I tell my kids, I'm like, go to college to grow up and do all this stuff, but try to get a skill that you can use. You have to have kind of a skill. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not very skilled, but I can fly an airplane. That's about it. Uh, if I, I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't flying airplanes. I'd probably be asking you guys if you wanted fries with your burger <laughs> in the drive-thru or something like that. But um, no, but it, get yourself a skill, something that, it, that translates to the civilian sector, and you can do that. So what do you do in the civilian sector? For that, <laughs> I am a contractor for the DOE, but we do work on classified stuff. Oh, really? Yes, Works sir. with Honeywell. Another Honeywell Another guy. Another Honeywell. We were like, no! I told you you don't want to know. I was like, I don't want to know this. I was like, okay. How many right. people does Honeywell employ? Apparently the 442nd fighter yeah, wing. How many people does the 442nd employ? Because <laughs> I think it's like this, if it's a Venn diagram, that's one circle. My old crew chief, Nick McRoberts on 117, he works at Honeywell, and he has, he's retiring. It's supposed to be next month, but he delayed it. So he asked me to retire him, and he works at Honeywell now, and it's great. Etchie does, too. Etchie does, yeah. Ricardo does. It's crazy. I guess I'll give kudos to the local Kansas City economy for making sure you guys are taken yeah. care so of. So tell me a little bit about, um, you said you did some full-time orders here for the 509th. I, did they pay for that, or did we? I'm not familiar with that. I'll be honest with you, sir. I do not know. What, what did you do for the 509th? Um, I was basically active duty with them. Uh, PT three times a week, go to the shop, and we worked orders around the around the base. You're just working CE stuff here? Correct. For how many years? Uh, I would say, I think in total with orders, active duty, probably about a year, year and okay. a half with them. And yeah, we, I try to do that. So when I talked to, to Colonel Deal a little bit, they had a shortage of, uh, of security forces guys here. Uh, it's amazing how many security forces guys are on this base. Uh, I think it's like 600 plus. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of them TDY and go into different AEFs and they needed help at the gate. And we actually used a couple of CE guys to work the gate. They were using non-security forces guys to work the gate. I'm always like, hey, if you guys have a need on base for folks to do CE work, uh, to do FSS, pay, uh, we have people that would gladly go on orders like you did. And sometimes we pay for it, sometimes they pay for it in what's, what's called MPA, active duty orders. RPA, 727 money is, is Air Force Reserve mandate money that we would pay you to come out. But it sounds like you were on some kind of... Uh, MPA orders. Cool. So did you enjoy it when you worked here? I really did. I, it was a good experience, I'll say, overall. Being able to go out there, get work orders. It's like, hey, you have to go do this job now because somebody is calling down because there's water spraying everywhere. Sure. Or anything like that. And it, it was fun. So to talk to me a little bit about, I want folks out there to hear, you're in CE. Colonel Riker came up with a pretty cool UTA schedule, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know how, as a member of CE, how you like that. They do, uh, for example, every quarter they do a, a no-day UTA, so no UTA in January next year, a, a two-day UTA in February, and then a four-day UTA in March. How does that fit into your Honeywell job, and how do you like that schedule? So for me personally, out of Honeywell, they have a great military relationship, so just turn in the orders and good to go. Okay. Um, I enjoy it because those four days, it lets you get a lot of training in. Um, some, some stuff on the active duty side might be close on the UTA weekends, but we get to utilize them on those other two days. Um, at least 
me personally, for my schedule, I think it's working out great. Good. Did you go down to Cannon Range last UTA? I did. How'd you like that? It was fun. Did you see some, did you run around in your ATSO gear and all that stuff? Yeah. Yes, we did. And I heard you got some A-10 flybys and different stuff. Yeah, so I've been down there to Cannon Range probably about three times now. Um, and we always get our own private air show down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> That's cool. Good. Yeah, we usually try to, because, right, when you, when you see an A-10 flyover and you're working hard, you got your gear on, what does that, what does that do to you? Uh, do you feel like you're more part of the, the mission, uh, per se? It does bring everything into perspective. The, the work that we're doing there, us as the plumbers, structures, uh, EAs, everyone all together in CE, um, it gives us a perspective of, hey, we're, we're getting the aircraft up there. We're taking care of everything we need down here so the pilots could do the, the mission downrange. Cool. Have you deployed before? I have not yet. Not yet. Unfortunately, this past deployment, the slots were, I was the last cutoff okay. of it. Um, for the next one, I'm hearing good things that I'm a shoe in for that. Okay. Well, it would be rough with, for your daughters, but uh, I respect the fact that you want to deploy and do that. That's part of, kind of part of what we do, right? It is. Yeah. And I have, I have had those serious talks with them, and they, I feel like they understand why daddy has to leave why he has to go out of town for four days. four days or the two weeks annual tour. And when I was down here, because I was on base for the time that I was on active duty, uh, I explained to them why why we're doing it. And I think they, they understand the reason why. Good, good. Have you had your family down here on base? I have had my daughters oh, cool. down here. I, I have not had a chance to bring my mom down. Bring her down, I want to meet her sometime. We'll do so. Seriously. We'll do. Uh, I want to shake her hand and and tell her she, what a good job she did raising you. And, and I want to hear her story about how she got here and, and created a life for herself in another country. That's crazy. Yeah. That, that's a good story. That's impressive. So, all right. Uh, what are your daughter's names? Oldest daughter, her name is Annabella, mm -hmm. followed by Elena and my, well, not so little one. Her name is Katerina. And the ages again? 12, 10, and 7. Awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. So you get up on stage. You're on Saturday. I was showing these guys. Uh, I'll show it to you afterwards. This guy named Pat McAfee that I really like. He, he's got a podcast and a show. Um, the punter. Yeah. Punt. <laughs> he's a punter that quit punting, making a million dollars a year to go into the entertainment business and do this stuff. Right. And when he did it, I'm like, this guy's crazy. Like, why would you give up? A his leg was, his knee was messed up and he could have still punted and kicked, but, um, he, he wanted to do something else and he had the guy's made like a couple hundred million dollars now doing he does wrestling he does ESPN game day for college football his podcast is huge uh, he did a, a draft pick for the Colts about five years ago and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen so w what are you when you get up there to pick are you just gonna get, you, we gotta coach you a little bit here we can't have you just go up and say Hey, for the 145th, in the fourth round with the 145th third pick of the NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select uh, Bob Jennings from Whiteman Air Force Base. <laughs> you got a pay raise, Bob. Thank you. I'm going to do my best. Uh, I want you to say, like, hey, from uh, the 442nd Fighter Wing and the World's Greatest Fighter Squadron and the A-10 Warthog, the Kansas City, you know, something like that. We, we need to coach you up to, to represent our wing, like when you get up there and say something like cool like that. 
I could definitely do that. All right. And he is picking, I think they came down, he's picking for the Chicago Bears. The Chiefs are obviously pretty well. Oh, you aren't picking for the Chiefs. He, he We requested it, but they were like, the competition stiff, we'll let you know what the NFL says. And the NFL came back and they said, we're going to have you do the Chicago Bears, which was your second team, right, that you requested? I think it was on the list. Okay, yeah. it was either second or third. Um, but then we are asking those questions on, like, what is expected? Are you reading off a teleprompter? Are you, yeah, are you able to add what I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll <laughs> say you can't say anything. But if you get up there, just say, um, so, uh, what's, what's your rank in, Sergeant? Tech Sergeant. Tech Sergeant. Tech Sergeant Miranda Navarro from the local 442nd Fighter Wing, world's greatest fighter wing, right here in Kansas City. We do flybys for the Chiefs. And I'm picking for the Chicago Bears today, something like that, because everybody that's there will know that we're the unit that always does flybys for Chiefs games, and you'll get a huge round of applause and, and all that stuff. It'd be pretty cool. I'll put that plug in. I'll see if I can't, can't get you to say that little <laughs> sentence. I feel like all these interviews are really preparing you for Saturday, though. This morning, um, he interviewed with the USO. Oh, you did? I did. Yes. What'd they ask you? A lot of questions about my background, obviously. Um, my story, how I came over to the United States, um, asked me about my, my family, my kids, um, and then what I like about football, and uh, I told them all about it. Obviously, I'm- Have you been to a Chiefs game? I go to it every year. Just a, what, you go to a game every year, or? Is At least one game At least game, one yeah. game. Take your daughters, too? We do, yeah. Good. Yeah, they enjoy it. I enjoy it. We're out there screaming, doing tomahawk chop. <laughs> it's a good time. That's fun. That's really fun. Yeah. yeah. The Chiefs have been a heck of a lot of fun to root for the last, well, really the last 30, 40 years, but especially the last five or six years. Who's your favorite player on the Chiefs? Oh, man, there's so many of them. You obviously have, you know, you have Mahomes, you have Kelsey. Um, I think I'm leaning more Travis Kelsey as being my favorite. We had a... Uh, we did a leadership offsite downtown. Oh uh, gosh, we about, will not tell the story. It's so embarrassing. Uh, was it you that <laughs> yes. went? Yes. We were at this really nice steakhouse downtown in Kansas City, and and we finished up, and we walked outside, and Travis Kelsey had just parked his car. It's a really nice car. I forget what it was, and he was with somebody else. I think Shelly. I was like, oh, that person looks famous. Yeah. I don't know anything about football. I'm awful. <laughs> and someone's like, who who was it? Oh, um, Illig. Uh. No, it was James or no James Elliott. James Elliott. James Elliott goes, yeah, Shelley. It's Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. He has a more colorful version of the story. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you want to reach out and get the real one, <laughs> but that is the ten percent true story of us meeting Travis Kelsey. He was a big dude in person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he big was. Dude. Cool. Well, hey, congrats again. Uh, thank you for what you do uh, for the four forty second fighter wing. Uh, being a single dad and and I don't know how you do it like I have three kids they're two in college and one in high school but there is no way I would have been able to do what I did without my wife because um, she you know takes care of the kids when I'm gone I'm over here all the time and she, she just runs the whole thing I don't know how you do it you obviously have a great mother and uh, a grandmother and family to help you out but um, you, like you said it does take a village we can't get through life on our own and uh, that's cool it's a cool story and I'm, I'm really excited for you to, to make the pick and I'm glad you got recognized like you did because uh, it's, it's well deserved. Thank you. Um, all this, I'll say I owe it to my mom. That's, she's kind of like my rock, why I do everything and now I'm, I'm doing it for my daughters. I'm very excited to be out there Saturday and do 
do us the 442nd justice and show off, hey, we are the best. Awesome. Good. Awesome. I think, I think we need to have his mom out here for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I would love That'd to have cool. his mom and uh, Etchy's parents out here, right? That'd be really cool. Etchy's um, parents don't live here, though, right? No, they live in Africa. Yeah. So. But we're excited for you. More to come. You know, interview two done. And I think you're going to have a few more, at least from local media, sounds like. Hey, we did, before we came over here, Shelly and I were just out on the flight line. Um, we had a sudden Fenny flight. I thought it was going to be in Greece, but uh, Lieutenant Colonel Crack Rowe, boy, I think he's got like 32, 33-year career. Just had his last A-10 flight, just landed. The guy's got over 5,000 hours in the A-10. I think he's got three distinguished flying crosses yep. in his career. We've talked about him before. Actually, he was on our first podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with, with CUDA. Uh, Sorry, he, old news. <laughs> yeah. He's retiring June 9th, I believe. Yes, June 9th. June 9th is his retirement ceremony. So if you can make that, it's going to be in the building, in the Hangar 91. Yes, correct. Uh, in the single A-10 hangar bay. Um, so congrats to Crack, man. What a good friend. And... Uh, what a, what a, like I said before, the guy's a, a combat warrior, and uh, I'd follow him about anywhere. Mm -hmm. So uh, awesome, what, a, what a cool career, Air Force Academy grad and all that. Well, thanks again, Bob, for setting this up. Hopefully next time we'll have uh, our own little little studio set up uh, somewhere in the, in the wing building. I'll keep my fingers crossed, and we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll do it in there. All right, till next time. Thanks, awesome. Ricardo. Thank you.